hearts of the believers, the God who is the, uh, the, the, the creator of all things, His Son who is the uh, King over all things, and His Spirit who is the power over all things, is that truly your God? Because I don't know if you know this, there are other, let's say, we can make gods of other things. We can actually also confuse the true God as something other. Is he your God? Is the God who we meet in Jesus? The God who the Holy Spirit makes known to us. Is that your God? If that's your God, amen. If that's not your God, it is our hope to be the people who make him known in this world. It is our hope that he will be known today. Why don't you go to the Lord right now? We sing this bold declarations with a lot of, I don't know, these songs. I could come out of my skin sometimes when we're singing these songs. But sometimes we just need to have that sober moment before the Lord. So I'm going to invite you right now just to have a sober moment before the Lord. Bring to Him your prayer. Bring to Him your praise. Maybe you have the question, are you really God? Are you true? Bring him that. And say, if you are, let it be known. Make it known to me. I'm going to let you pray for a moment, and then I'm going to pray over us, and then we will continue on. things we have declared this morning. We trust that to be true. Uh, Lord God, we pray. We honor you. And we thank you for being the one who made a way for us and who makes a way for us. Uh, Lord, we confess that while we do trust in you and your authority and your way, we do not always follow you. We do not always follow your way. And so God, I pray and I ask that you would please uh, be with us today. Lord, maybe some of us 
need correction because we think we're on the way and we're really not on the way. Maybe some of us need some encouragement because we've fallen out of the way and we know it. And the enemy is lying to us saying there's no getting back up or there's no use in getting back up. Might we be encouraged to get back on the way? Uh, Some of us Uh, Some of us have been walking diligently on the way. Lord, might you just celebrate them. Give them the uh, keep on keeping on. Uh, Lord, some of us have never journeyed the path. And today you're inviting us, follow me. Lord, you speak we pray. Give us what we need as individuals. Give us what we need as a church so that we might know the way more clearly, so that we might be encouraged, motivated, strengthened, equipped to stay on the way. And Lord, so that we might know how to bring others along us, along with us on the way, Lord. We pray these things. And then, Lord, I pray for me today. I have this awesome responsibility of standing before these wonderful people, Lord, and declaring the message that you have. And, Lord, what I do not want to do is to get in the way of you, God, or your spirit. And, Lord, I have the propensity to do that. So, God, please, I pray that you will use every faculty that I have, every, um, every oh, uh, wisdom, skill, and experience that you've given me, Lord, that, that it could be used, but it would not get in the way, Lord. And Lord, I pray and I ask this, that not only uh, uh, will I be a uh, proclaimer of your message, but a receiver of your message, Lord. And I pray that for all of us, uh, that as you, as you speak, We will attend to what you have to say to us. I pray these things, Lord. Lord, I pray all this in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. It's in his name, the name that is above every name, we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago... um, my wife uh, was ministering to our cousin Ashton. And Ashton, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, her boyfriend, and uh, it sounds, sometimes it sounds a little cheap to say boyfriend because they, they had plans to get married. They hadn't made it official yet with an engagement ring and all those things, but uh, they were... Uh, they were moving forward in life together. Uh, but Ashton's boyfriend was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And Ashton and my wife have a very strong relationship. And, um, and she was one that, Brittany, that she would reach out to Brittany and Brittany would be checking on her. And, um, and, and we had a Sunday morning service and we went home uh, that afternoon and, uh, and, and we had heard some uh, news earlier on in the week that Kale's condition might not be getting, um, might not be very hopeful, let's say that. And then Brittany looked at me and she said, I think I need to go to Alabama. 
She said, what do you think about that? And, and because I'm such a good guy, I said, you go. I said, well, let's think about it. <laughs> I said, uh, the prospect of me uh, being a single father uh, for a few days, uh, I said, let's, let's process, let's make sure we can get all of our ducks in a row. But ultimately, you know I want you to be there. Come to find out later on that day, um, you know, Brittany went ahead and booked the flights, got ready. Later on that day, we find out, no, it's not only that the news is not hopeful, it's death is imminent. And so Brittany knew that she was setting out on a week that was going to cost her a lot. It cost us money and resources, but that's not what I'm talking about. She was setting out on a week that was going to drain her, where she was going to have to pour out she was going to have to be strong. She was going to have to be a comfort. She was going to have to be wisdom. She was going to have to be grace. All these things. She is not only capable of herself, but all these things that she would rely heavily upon the Spirit of God to give her and to grace her with. She knew it was going to be a hard week, and, and actually, after she got back, she has said multiple times in various conversations that we've had, that was the hardest week of my life. And there's a lot to that story, and there's a lot to that testimony, and, um, and we could go on with it, but that's... It's not that story why we are occasioned here today, but it is illustri illustrative. Brittany knew going into that week that it was going to be a hard week, that it was going to cost her a lot. And she was going to have to be all those things. And she went. I'm sure you've gone too, haven't you? You stepped up knowing what it was going to cost you. in a similar situation or some other situation. He said, okay. Maybe, though, there's also some times that you can look back and go, I didn't step up. I look at this group, I don't think that there's very often of those times in our lives but none of us are perfect, are we? I want us to consider this this morning. 
because over the next few weeks we are going to be considering the way. And really the cross as the way. In a few weeks we will be celebrating Easter. It will be fun. It will be beautiful. It will be lively. It will be joyous. Uh, We are also going to have an egg hunt for the children. If you did not get the memo, we need you to bring candy-filled eggs so that we can give our children early-onset diabetes. (laughs) Easter is going to be so good. But of course, to get to Easter, we have to go through Good Friday. Jesus knew this himself. In Luke 9, 51, Luke tells us that it came to pass that at at a certain time, when the time was come, when the time had arrived that that Jesus should be received up, Received up is an interesting statement here. You could, you could just say when Jesus was going, when the time was that Jesus was going to ascend. And a lot of us think about Jesus ascending into heaven. And, but what, really what we need to understand about the ascension is ascension is not just to heaven and just to where he's, he's waiting until he can come rule and reign. The, the ascension is to the right hand of the throne of God. To his seat of power on high. When Jesus was going to ascend to his throne, that Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It's an interesting way that Luke frames it. Luke frames it when Jesus knew that he was going to ascend to his throne. He set his face towards Jerusalem. Earlier on in the chapter, Jesus has just told his disciples for the very first time that he is going to suffer and die. So, Jesus knows to get to my throne, I'm going to have to go through Jerusalem. To get to my throne, I'm going to have to go through the cross. So in preparation of us celebrating Easter, we are going to consider the way. And the cross as the way. And this morning, what we are going to uh, uh, have on our hearts and our minds is the way to the cross. And right there in Luke 9.51, I think we see the way to the cross. Jesus set his face. He determined Some translations say he 
was resolute in his determination to go to Jerusalem. He set his face, as it were, to the cross. What I want us to think about in this is knowing what lie ahead. After all, like I said earlier on in the chapter, Jesus has already told them. Verse number 20. Verse number uh, 22, excuse me. He says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Right after he tells them this, he says, If anyone will come after me, if anyone will follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Follow me. Now, so I was thinking about this. I thought, it's not really just the journey. It's not really, he just said, I'm going to get to Jerusalem and nothing is going to stand in my way of getting to Jerusalem. So like whenever I think about like the way to the cross, I don't, I don't just think about like, well, let's, let's look at the map and let's chart the course that he would have taken and, and follow that course that way. What, what I think about is, is this, is, is Jesus was going to Jerusalem and at Jerusalem, he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be tried. They were going to um, uh, have really no good argument against him. They were going to, uh, he would be unjustly uh, uh Convicted and sentenced to death, and not just any death, the death of the cross, which is the, 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 the most extreme uh, form of death in the Roman Empire. It was humiliating, it was degrading, it was demeaning, it was a death that they, that they really, they wanted like people who were enemies of the state get this death. These things were going to happen to him. And when we think about how, how he got there, we're not just talking about the road that he traveled. And, and we're not just saying that he's, he was like, I'm not going to let any obstacle get in my way. Anybody, you know, he goes through Jericho and in Luke's gospel in Jericho, it's like they all are like um, excited. They run out to meet him before he gets to the city. He walks through the city, he almost gets to the other side of the city and people are kind of frustrated because like, hey, I wanted him to stay with us for a while, but he's just like kind of passing through and then he ends up staying at uh, Zacchaeus' house. Now I'm sure there was a lot of people who thought, man, my house is way better than Zacchaeus' house. Not because it's nicer, Zacchaeus has more money, but because I'm more holy than Zacchaeus is. He wasn't going to let anybody keep him in their homes. That's not what I'm talking about. Think about this. Knowing already in Luke's gospel, and we saw it in chapter 5, in chapter 6, Last week, as we uh, kind of ran through uh, some stories there, but knowing what we already know, we know that there is opposition to Jesus whenever he heals on the Sabbath. People don't like that. 
There's opposition to Jesus uh, whenever he um, whenever he dines with people of ill repute. There's opposition to Jesus whenever the uh, people who are the most uh, ritually religious are not honored by him, celebrated and praised by him, but they are critiqued by him. There's opposition and there's hostility to Jesus when he does these sorts of things. So think about this. Jesus setting his face towards Jerusalem means that Jesus says, I'm going to continue healing on the Sabbath. And I'm going to keep exposing the lie that people are deceived by. That all God wants from us is some vain religiosity. For us just to follow the rules whenever God really wants for us to see humanity in one another and love one another and have compassion on one another. Even if the rules say you shouldn't work and they are in need, God wants us to go and say, okay, God, you gave me the rule, but I'm going to forsake the rule for this person. And God's going to say, well done, you good and faithful servant, because that rule was never meant to stand in the way of you. Caring for another individual. So Jesus was going to continue healing on the Sabbath because he was going to continue exposing the lie. And it's such a lie that so many people cross cultural boundaries have always fallen, uh, uh, all been susceptible to it. It is what's going to please God. Did I say my prayer the right way? Did I say the sinner's prayer? Was I baptized as a baby? Was I baptized as a believer? Did I go to the right church? Did we read the right translation? Did we sing songs with enough Umph in them, but not too much umph in them that my foot started tapping. Did I give precisely the right amount of tithe offering? Did I did I, did I make sure to never think a cuss word? He wanted to continue to expose the lie that God was more interested in how we deal with one another, how we treat one another, than how well we followed the rules. Y'all know I got kicked out of Bible college, right? 
So y'all might just go, well, you just don't like rules, period. So I think this is, let me just tell you something about Bible college. I was a known rebel. But there were people who were doing similar things who got to be on the school's traveling ensemble and get paraded up in front of everybody every week as these most righteous boys and girls from the Arlington Baptist College. And I'm not saying this to disparage them in any way. What I am saying is sometimes you can You can follow the right types of rules and never be found out. Never have to go to your, the president of your Bible college's office and hear the words that you've been expelled. Never have to call your parents and tell them, hey, you're going to have to come up here. And be ashamed of your little boy. I caused y'all a lot of shame. And y'all dealt with it with such grace. Such an example. And I don't know why that strikes me right now. But it does. I love you. You're awesome. Well, this is so sweet. (laughs) The thing is, is Jesus wasn't there to play by the rules as it were. And it's not because the rules were bad. And we need to understand this. The rules weren't bad. The rules actually tried to get at what Jesus was about. You look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, they say, hold God in his proper place, his, his proper authority. Hold God in his proper honor, his proper respect. And then the rest of them are treat others with dignity, with respect, with care, with compassion. Don't put yourself before others. It's not just, children, you better listen to your parents. It's, children, God has given you your parents. And they're a gift to you. And not all parents are a gift to children. And that's a shame. But you know what? God's, like, God's mercy is so great. I've seen some really great kids come out of the worst scenarios. But it wasn't, I just want to see if you can do it. It's, I want you to learn how to receive, how to submit to authority, how to to receive uh, 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 some wisdom, some guidance, some understanding. Because you're going to grow up and you're going to be somebody who has to live in this world 
where you are not the center of the universe. You know, this whole thing, like where he says, you know, you know, like, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Like, like, well, it's not just because God's against S-E-X, right? I mean, he is not against that. He's for it. He's much for it. Actually, in Genesis chapter number one, he tells us, go, replenish the earth. Go have a lot of babies. Make a lot of children. It's because I don't think about my friend or my neighbor and what it would do to him if I took his wife. And I'm not treating her with all the dignity and humanity that she deserves. I'm treating her like she is an object of my passion and my desire and my eyesight or whatever or vice versa. It's because I'm not looking at my wife and considering her and the effects that it will have on her and my children and my family and the trauma that it will create in them. I'm thinking about myself, my desires, my wants, my quote unquote, we can, we can frame it up to my needs. So the rules were never the bad thing. So don't get me wrong and let's not get Jesus wrong. But we can let the rules get in the way and we can be deceived to think that God just wants us to be good boys and girls who look like we're following the rules whenever God wants us to be people who love one another the way that he loves us. Jesus was going to continue to critique the Pharisees. In fact, uh, chapter 12, I believe it is, Jesus sits down at the house of a Pharisee. No, it's chapter 11. It's hard for me to keep it straight. I read so much scripture, you know. So sometimes I just... I get lost in it. <laughs> Stupid. Um, verse 37 says he went to sit down because a Pharisee invited him in to dinner. One of the things that we get wrong about the text too, and we should not get it wrong about the text, the story, or get it wrong about Jesus is he loved those sinful people and he hated those Pharisees. He loved them all equally without partiality. And I've said this plenty of times from this pulpit and I'm not going to stop saying it. The, what you do to somebody who, uh, who, who thinks that they do not deserve mercy is you show them that they deserve it. What you do to somebody who thinks that they don't need mercy is you show them that they need it. That's what we see going on with Jesus. So yeah, he's going to sound harsher because the Pharisees have their heads up their rear ends. 
and he has to yank him out, right? I mean, that is, Jesus has to get things straight. <laughs> I maybe went too far. <laughs> Y'all, this section right here. I'm sorry, I just can't. I didn't think about it before. She's handling it with such grace. My dad would say things, and I would sit on this pew, and I would, I would like, oh, why did you just say that? And I would get so embarrassed for him and embarrassed because I was his son. And I can't tell you how many times that has come back to bite me, you know, because I stand up here and I say things, and then we get down, and they're like, hey, what were you thinking whenever you did this? And my mom says, you would have ridiculed your father like crazy, and you did. And so, Dad... I'm sorry, right? <laughs> oh. So Jesus sat down to dine with him, and we should say because Jesus loved him. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled. What did he see? Oh no, he must have done something terrible. When he saw that he had not first washed his hands before dinner. And this wasn't because, you know, COVID happened and everybody was, uh, became the Gestapo to make sure that you had your mask on and that you had your, uh, you know, your, your hand sanitizer, right? That's not why this happened. This happened because it was a religious ritual. And what they had said is, just as you sanctify yourself to go into the temple, our homes and our mills and our time for mill is going to be like many temples. And we're going to sanctify ourselves before we receive any good thing that the Lord has given. And it's not a bad thing, but it's kind of sanctimonious hogwash. And Jesus probably did it on purpose to see what this Pharisee would say. Because Jesus was like a, he was like a creative artist. He was like Picasso painting this Guernica. I read this awesome, this awesome uh, quote uh, whenever a Nazi soldier came in and saw Picasso's Guernica in his apartment. He said, did you paint that? Maybe it wasn't a Nazi. Maybe it was one of the uh, Spanish revolutionaries. But he said, when, did you paint that? And he said, no, you did. And if you don't know about Guernica, look it up. I don't have the time to tell you about it today, but it's awesome and insightful. And it's, uh, it's, like, it's like reading the prophets, exposing lies, deception, greed, corruption. That's what Jesus was about. So I imagine that Jesus walked into the house knowing the rules and said, I'm not going to do that. And we'll see how this plays out. Not because Jesus was just a bully or a punk, not because he was a rebel without a cause, but because Jesus was there to prophetically expose the truth. And the Pharisee did see it, and he noticed. And then Jesus proceeds to critique 
he and his friends who are sitting at the table to the point that his friend says, everything that you have said is offensive to us. And Jesus said, yes. <laughs> like he doesn't go like, oh, I'm so sorry I offended you. He's like, yes, it is. And then he keeps going. And it's not because he hates the Pharisees. I believe it's because he loves the Pharisees and he knows the responsibility that they, they have and he knows the influence and the power that they have and he knows that they are getting in the way of people knowing God loves them and is for them and is not against them. So, Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. And that doesn't just mean he mapped out the course and said, this is the way we're going, guys. And it doesn't mean that he didn't let any obstacle get in his way, like, like uh, you know, like just any temptation, if you will, or obstacle get in his way. What I want us to see is he set his face to Jerusalem and he said, the things that people are already criticizing me about and holding me in suspicion about the things that um, are people are opposing me with. I'm not going to stop doing them. And now let me ask you this. Have you ever stopped eating with someone because it became uncool to eat with them? Now, I know we can all think about our own days in school or some programs where we've seen it in school where, you know, the, the, the kind of nerdy, dorky kid gets invited to the cool kids' tables. Some of you were the cool kids. Some of you were the ner nerdy, dorky kids. It doesn't matter. You're all kids, Right? And then something happens, and now they're excluded from that table. They made it. They arrived. And then they go too far. And now nobody wants to be with them. Now let's think about this. What about the person? What about the person who had it all together, and their family was good, and they were pillars of the community, and, and everybody wanted to have them over for dinner. Everybody wanted to see them and shake their hand whenever they saw them out in public. And then that person is found out to have done sin. And I'm not talking about the kinds of sins that we all do. I'm talking about that sin. You know, that one. And that one can be, I mean, drop in whatever the sin is. And now, now are you inviting them over for dinner? Now are you glad, gladly shaking their hands? Or now do you kind of go, oh no, they're so, let's, let's go this way. I've been in friends with that happens a lot. I know in our society that happens a lot. I mean, you, and people lament this. There's, some, there's, some, there's something to all of this, but, 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 but I know in our society right now, it's like you got to really make sure that you aren't the one who says the wrong things or you're going to get canceled. That's the left's way of saying it. The right's way of saying it is we're, we're just going to boycott him. It, both of y'all believe in cancel culture. Trust me. Trust me on that. We cry foul at the other and do the same thing. 
I'm not canceling them, I'm just boycotting them. <laughs> and I don't know anything about semantics. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. All right, I'm sorry. Here we are, back to this. Have you ever changed course because it was going to cost you something, is the question at the bottom of it. Have you stopped loving somebody because it was going to cost you something? Have you stopped caring for somebody because it was costing you too much? Did you stop standing against things? Not because you found out that you were standing on sand. And some things as the church, we needed to stop standing against. If it was okay for this to be translated 400 years ago into English, it's okay for it to be translated today. Because language changes. There are some things that you found that were just not solid ground. And you should stop standing when there is no need to stand. So don't get me wrong. Jesus said to the ones who followed him, if you come, if you come after me, if you follow me, you must be willing to pick up your cross each and every day. And I don't think that merely means you better make sure that you don't say any curse words today, which don't say any curse words. Okay. I think it really means you better be willing to treat people with dignity Respect, kindness, mercy, grace, compassion, no matter how they're treating you. Am I alone in that? We, when we pick up our cross, like Jesus, we must be willing to count the cost. What's it going to cost you? Not just dollars and cents. Dignity. What's it going to cost your dignity? If you think that Jesus was dignified, honored, and respected on this earth, and you get <clears throat> in a tissy, whatever, tissy, tiffy, I don't know. When you get upset, your feather, feathers ruffled, whatever, he's not treated with dignity, honor, and respect today. Ask yourself the question, how did he end up naked on a cross? And how dignifying was that for him? And he was willing to lose his dignity. To continue loving people and to continue exposing the lie. Is it going to cost you physical pain? I know we're not about physical pain. Physical pain. 
not in 21st century America. We are all about emotional pain. And let me just tell you, don't count or discount emotional pain. It's real too. But none of us want to go through physical pain. Emotional pain. Are you willing to give your life for people to take it for granted? Give your time, your energy, your effort, your best service for people to take advantage of you. Jesus did. So, the way to the cross. The way to the cross was Jesus saying, what I'm about, I'm going to continue being about. I'm going to continue exposing the lies of this world. I'm going to continue exposing, and we've only talked about like really one of them today. I'm going to continue exposing that we let the rules interfere with the relationships, with our relationship with God and our relationship to others. And he wanted to expose that. And he said, I'm not going to stop exposing that. And we could talk about other lies that he exposed at another time, but that seems fitting for this message, unless y'all want me to keep going. Everybody starts looking around awkwardly, like, don't make eye contact with me, preacher. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't care if you want me to keep going or not, I'm still going. I'm just here. This is what we have before us this week. We are called to relate to one another like Christ relates to us. We are called to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, patience. Here's what I would encourage you with. There are probably some of those things that you you will bear. You, will, you know the cost and you do it well. So I don't want us to think about the things that we do really well only. We should mark those and we should say, thank you, Lord, and continue doing a good job. But I would say, what, what, what among those fruits do you lack in? Is it patience? Is it meekness? Are you one of those people, you know, meekness, power under control? Think about authority under control. Think about, you know, uh, I'm the boss and I'm not going to get everybody's, uh, they're going to respect me because I'm the boss. But I'm the boss and I'm going to show them that I love them and that I respect them. And some days they're going to respect me very well and some days they're not going to respect me very well. And I'm going to take care of things as they need to be taken care of, but I'm not going to act like a big baby when one of my co-workers or whenever one of my employees doesn't do things the way I told them to do it right whenever I told them to do it and with the right heart and attitude that I told them to do it with. Maybe meekness for you might be that you aren't the boss 
and your boss is a real jerk. And you continue treating that boss with respect and grace. And I don't mean that you don't stand up for yourself and you don't have a conversation and don't confront because Jesus said whenever somebody offends you, you should talk about it. But I mean, even whenever y'all have had the conversation and they still aren't doing what you want them to be doing, I mean, then you continue to still treat them with respect. So find the ones that you are good at, celebrate them, praise them, thank God for them. I say, make me stronger in this area. And then say, Lord, reveal, expose to me like you've exposed to them where I'm weak. Where I, I, I throw down the cross because it's too much for me to carry. I told y'all, I, I know where I'm weak and I'm really, 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 really trying to build some strength and y'all can pray with me on it, but I get weak when my wife holds me in suspicion or criticism or accusation. We could be driving in a parking lot and she could be, where are you going to park at? That makes me lose my cross. It's stupid, it's silly, but I want you all to know that that's, that does it for me. And we've had plenty of talks and she still hasn't gotten it right. And we can laugh, but the fact of the matter is, this is what's sad about this, is my kids get to see us love each other and care for each other and respect each other and honor each other all the time. And we are an example of Jesus and God and the Spirit's power to my children. But whenever that happens, I lose the cross and they get to see me be a big baby and be me. So it's really not a laughing matter. And see, here's the deal. Instead of us focusing on those things, how we're relating to one another, we've made sure, did I read enough verses today? And God goes, I, I gave you the Bible. I want you to read it. But I want you to care about how you're treating each other. Because how you treat each other reveals me in this world. You're not going to stand before him and him go, hey, how many verses did you memorize? How many, how many, how many Awana books did you go through? He's going to stand before, he says, give a cup of cold water to drink in my name. I said I was going to stop two minutes ago. I'm stopping now. Lord, this is the message, amen? What's God talking to you about? What's on your heart right now? What's he speaking to you? Do you hear him? Do you hear him clearly? Can you talk to him about that? Over these next few minutes, I'm just going to invite you. Talk to God by yourself. If you need to talk to God with somebody else, come see me. I can talk to God with you. Maybe God's saying, hey, look, you know that other version of God that you got? That's a phony version. What you heard today is the real deal. The God of creation cares about you. He wants to relate with you, and he cares about how you relate to others.
and all the other stuff might is, is all in service to that, right? It's in service to us relating well to God and relating well to one another. And maybe today you needed to hear that message so that you could come uh, submit your life in faith and trust to this God and forsake all the other gods that this phonies, bogus gods of this world. If that's you and you hear God say, I, I want to relate with you today. I will be here in these next few minutes and we can begin that conversation. I will also gladly get a cup of coffee with you this week or others in our church can do that and have that conversation with you. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open this prayer. I'm going to invite you to talk to God about what he's talking to you about. If you need to pray with somebody else, I'm here. I will pray with you or I will bring another one of our brothers and sisters alongside of you. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would be with us this time. I pray that we could talk to you, reflect on what you've said, what you're speaking. Lord, I pray and I ask that, uh, um, pray that you will receive our prayers. I pray uh, you, just your spirit lead, guide, and direct in this time. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Brother Mitch is going to play. You pray. If you're still praying, you keep praying, but in just a moment, Brother Mitch is going to lead us singing our final song. And we thank you for being with us today. We pray that the Lord has blessed you and will continue to bless you. And that as we go from this place today, we will follow him on the way to the cross.
Exatamente. Well, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing about that 